0: Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll Podcast. Now, it deeply sad. Actually, do you know what it doesn't sadden me? We knew this day would come, and I'm gonna make this number sound as big as possible. We've done a quarter of a hundred episodes face to face with me and Felipe in the same room, but inevitably we are now on Zoom technology has taken over we you know petrol prices are high train pre- train tickets are ridiculous. We can't just get to each other. we're not on tour so we had to resort to zoom. Felipe is on the screen with me. How are you doing man?
1: I doing man. hello everyone. so uh, so here's Felipe from the other screen instead <laughs> of, of on Lazarus' side. So yeah here I am. I hope everyone is doing well. I, I hope everyone is coping with the heat and here we are.
0: I can't cope with it. I hate it. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But, so, what's the drink today, Felipe?
1: So yeah, um, today's show is sponsored by water.
0: Oh, water. We all need it. <laughs> like water doesn't yeah. need an advert, does it? It's just kind of like no. you have to drink it. Just come on. Um, <laughs> well, do you want to introduce the the album we're talking about today? Because it was your it was your pick. Yeah, that was my pick, and the album was
1: called "Ode a Slave." And the band, guess the name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Lars. Let me actually uh, uh, let me start this by asking, what do you know about them?
0: So I know the Audio Slave is the is a supergroup, isn't it? Well, it is a supergroup. It is three. Is the rhythm? I said the rhythm section. It is the instrumentalists of Rage Against the Machine and the singer of Soundgarden.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool combination if you think about it. Well, like, do you want, do you want, one thing I want to talk about before we talk about this band and the album is like the concept of a supergroup, you know, okay. because we've mentioned that when we we're talking about Cream, isn't it? They were considered and, a supergroup yeah. at the time. And, and
0: Emerson, Lake and Palmer.
1: Emerson Lake and Palmer as well. Yeah, so because uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer, or well, Greg Lake was playing with King Crimson before yeah. them. So they all came from other bands. So the idea of Supergroup is like established musicians who are already famous and in most cases uh, 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 wealthy. <laughs> so they yeah. just get together. So they uh, uh, they, uh, they have the fame, they have the money, they have the time to do it. and uh, And they challenge themselves to do something Uh, In most cases, that doesn't resemble much of the original bands, isn't it? Because musicians, they like to prove themselves. Like, you know what? I'm not that guy from that band anymore. I want to do something different. And I think Older Slave's got a lot of that.
0: That's really interesting. Um, You said that uh, you you used the word musicians, um, but I actually think sometimes you said that for the musicians, that are already famous, but I think it's also the bands, isn't it? Yeah. Not just the individuals, but the artists they, they play with or for or in. Um, those are the ones also, who I think, you know, if that band gains fame, maybe the musicians aren't necessarily known in that, but you can yeah. still form a supergroup from members of famous bands, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that in, in, in that case, it was actually, if you think about it, it was a simple lineup change. They've replaced the singer. But no one can actually see it like that because it's a different band, it's a different concept altogether.
0: Let's let's go straight in with hmm. Laz Unleashed. Right. So starting off, because you, you've you've put this in perfectly. Here is my Laz. Do uh, you know I say Laz Unleashed, but that's just because it's the name of the segment. What it is, is kind of a discussion debate point for us to have now.
1: Right.
0: I find it odd that the changing of a voice can count as a new band. When you think of Deep Purple, <laughs> Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Sepultura, they've all changed singers, but they've stayed the same band. So in this case,
1: they didn't.
0: But Reggie's machine changed singer. No, yeah, exa- it,
1: it, it is exactly. It's <laughs> exactly what it is, but it isn't at the same time. So your yeah. Lars and Leashes, Rage right Against the Machine, just changed single. <laughs> but
0: so then that, that's that's a detriment to Chris Cornell because obviously he brings a lot to this band, and I understand sure. it's a new thing. I just I just found it interesting thinking about it. That hold on, so actually, and when we get into the music, I think the music is quite similar to both of these, um, to Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden. So. I just found it interesting that that all these other famous bands, you know, I think most notably, I'd say Black yeah. Sabbath, because the change in vocal style from Ozzy Osbourne to Dio is very, very significant. And but didn't that it after- change the band? Yeah, it, it changed the band for for an album, and it became a new experience, I believe.
1: I, I believe that uh, musicians, when, when they're playing, and I'm specifically talking about musicians, not singers, Okay. good musicians, they don't act, they react. So they okay. listen to something and they play something that matches whatever they're listening to. So being the singer, sometimes the main guy in the band, Yeah. if the singer is different, you're going to play in a different way. If you are a good musician, you can react to what you're listening you're probably going to play and write in a different way yeah. because you have a different voice.
0: Excellent. Well, that was an interesting yeah. thing to start with. Um, as Felipe said, so we are doing the album Audio Slave by the band Audio Slave. Uh, this album came out in uh, November of 2002. My God, man, that's 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but It's an hour and five minutes long, and it was produced by Rick Rubin. Um, and you know something really lovely? I don't know if you've um, clocked on to this, but my wife just... Um, Came up and told me before we recorded today, Wednesday twentieth of July, it's Chris Cornell's birthday.
1: That is a you know you
0: Suggested the album.
1: I had no. Oh my god! I didn't, think god, of it. I didn't so, do a research on him specifically, or or, or any you know any yeah. of that kind of information.
0: That's... the rock and wow. roll gods have shined down on us. they, they it's, the stars have they, aligned. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the rock and roll gods gave us inspiration to choose this topic. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. So well, let's, let's celebrate Chris Cornell's uh life and music. Um, I know we do Yeah, so so sorry, sorry. You mentioned That's Rick right. Rubin. There is a, oh, I read something about the fact that he suggested Cornell to the band, but Tom yes. Morello was already friends with him.
0: Do you know how they were friends? Cuz I've heard that before, but I just don't remember how they became no.
1: No? I, I think they just met in some sort of music award I india the other. That's how people meet, you know, when they're famous. But uh, the, 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 the thing is, I uh, Rick Rubin, as a producer, he knows what sounds good, right? So he thought, yeah. you know what? You need a new singer. This guy is the voice you need. But... Here's the thing: It's not a change of singer because uh, what's his name? Zach De La Rocha, is that his name? The the original singer. Yeah. He was kind of a. Uh, I mean, people are going to crucify me for this, but more like a rapper, or no, you know. I think
0: that that's the only way to put it. I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as anything else. I wouldn't call him a singer. He not, is a not,
1: rapper. Not, not a, like a, a, a melodic singer by any extent. Really. Right? I can't yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't perceive him uh, as that so so it's not like only changing the singer so basically the reason why old Slave is a, is a completely different band not 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 a lineup change is cuz chris corner and that has everything to do with the album we're talking about because as the first album they only released two actually uh three whole albums
0: three well,
1: three three, three, three so, four so, wise, yeah three albums so uh it's like a very short career for a band, but the first album, they knew it would be a statement, right? Well, well, wait a minute, there's a new super group in town. Uh So everyone's going to be talking about it. What's the main difference? Why should I listen to this instead of Right Against the Machine or, or Soundgarden? So, uh, as soon as he joined the band, before they started uh, writing, recording together, uh, Chris Cornell said he didn't want to follow the political footsteps of Rage Against the Machine. And that is, in my it. opinion, why they are so different. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, they had the political views, they would make political statements like set fire to the American flag on stage, all of that. And yeah. here's a quote from Chris Cornell, which really defines what the album is about in that sense what is the main difference between the two bands, between okay. Great Against the Machine and Order of the Slave, my opinion. Let's, let's hear it. Corn- yeah, Cornell said with, uh, let me quote him uh, exactly, he said, I would be pretending if I try to write politically motivated lyrics all the time. So that's th- that
0: was in an interview. that's what the Machine is about, isn't it? Exactly. Rage Against the Machine, it's in the name. Even, even in the name? <laughs> yeah, the cues in the name. Uh,
1: okay. uh, uh, the, the clue's in the name. So it's like, it, it's what we're talking about, politics, all the time, so it's Rage Against the Machine. Uh, so they're talking about the machine, talk about the system, the things they don't agree with, whilst Audio uh, Slave is not about that. And I think it's more personal. I think it's actually very, very personal, and that's the beauty of the album. Uh, I'm I started, like, I actually read every single verse uh, of these albums, reading all the lyrics, and wow. it's beautiful, it's poetry. Uh, so when the interview uh, uh, that Chris Cornell did for Entertainment Weekly, when he said what I said here, you know, that he didn't want to be political, uh, the uh, so the guy who wrote the, the article actually defined uh, uh, um, Cornell Cornell's lyrics as haunted ex- existential poetry.
0: Is that his not his lyrics throughout his career or just for this album? For I think for this album. Uh, okay. but so I was just gonna I, say that myself, me, me, and Dash, my wife, we're we're such huge Soundgarden fans. Um, and the lyrics are always very deep and dark, and I've never heard anything political in them, which attests to what you said about you know him. Never having written political lyrics,
1: uh, isn't it like so? Art reflects uh, uh, the essence of whoever's writing that thing. If you're honest about your art, if you're honest about what you're writing and talking about, and what Cornell said, I, I would be pretending. So he didn't want to pretend. Mm. He wanted to want to talk about something else. So if, if it feels really like uh, Rage Against the Machine was about the world mm. and and the uh, uh, An older slave is about the individuals, about one human being talking about his view of the world of feelings and other people. More about more than uh, 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 political facts or or ideas. It's all about this is how I feel, and it's and it's. Uh, do you know what I what I found uh, quite disturbing about this this album is there's like loads and loads of references to death and suicide.
0: Really? And we know, I mean, for, for listeners who don't know, Chris Cornell did kill himself back in 2017, uh, really tragically. I mean, there was this mix up There, there was something about the drugs he was taking, not, not, um, like not heroin or anything, but he was on antidepressants and yeah. his wife has come out and said that she thinks she, I remember she called, she got off the phone with him, and she knew something wasn't right. And she called his personal security guard to go to the room about an hour after the phone call, because I think she was texting him and he wasn't responding. Yeah. And the guy went to the room and he, he died. Um, but, or no, he'd killed himself, but she knew something was up. She said she thinks the mix of antidepressants he was taking um, screwed with his head basically. But um, he was a very, very depressed and sad guy anyway at that stage. Um, so yeah, really tragic and It's a shame to obviously have to mention this on his birthday But you know, it is what it is um, but it, it, yeah, it doesn't it's surprise like... me that a lot of his lyrics are quite dark And full of stuff like that
1: Well, that's the thing So that, that comes uh, a new segment now Which you might want to introduce
0: Oh, I shall, yeah, we've got this new segment And here we go It's going to be one of my favourites Let me introduce you to Felipe's Conspiracies right so yeah, what this segment you know, is going to okay. be you go on you explain it you explain
1: if, yeah why why conspiracy no, is not conspiracy at all um <laughs> every because every time you just um you start you know coming up with theories about something and then someone's going to say oh yeah you're, you're not the case which sometimes i am sometimes everyone is uh but in this case it's just like it's a, a very simple thing uh which you might agree with and it's totally sort of related to what we just said okay uh if you consider that the album was released, I don't know, 10, 11 years before his death, Performed. or success?
0: more than 15. That. More than that. 15 years. 15, yeah, so 2002, so, and he killed himself in 2017.
1: Yeah, I think, so that's my theory. So don't quote me on this. No, quote me on this, but... <laughs> but uh, attribute I Attribute the I, quote it's, to it's him. Not, it's <laughs> not this. Yeah, so this segment is not based on any research.
0: Just, oh, wait, wait, wait. Just, is, it, is this where I get to say... Uh, Felipe's views are not reflected on by Laz.
1: Yes, you can make the disclaimer now. Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, yeah. Go ahead, man. Yeah, exactly. So what I what I believe is he was like for a long time flirting with death. Mm. He was already haunted and he was already disturbed with with you know the world and and his own feelings and because the the amount of references to death in an album there is actually a rebirth is a band starting from the ashes of two bands and it's kind, it's kind of something uh powerful and positive and the songs are kind of really energetic aren't they yeah. There's you know distorted guitars you know heavy grooves and but the lyrics are as dark as sound gardens lyrics and it feels like he wasn't, he was always in a dark place. That's my mm-hmm. theory. There you go. Well,
0: no, I mean, it's a very good point. And I think, you know, he he openly spoke out about his depression, I think, on several occasions, a few years before his death. And there's a, there's a DVD that me and Dash watch. Um, I've got this, the poster's behind me. Uh, what's it called? Live at the Artist's Den. And it's a fantastic gig from Soundgarden, by the way. Um, absolutely stunning show. But there, there's just this, there's just this haunting essence around him, where he's he's giving the performance of his life, and he is performing stunningly. His vocals are on point, but even just the way he looks at the camera and you look into his eyes as the audience, you just know that there's something wrong. You know he's not in a good place, and that was I, d- I don't actually know when that was released, um, so I, c- I don't want to put a time on it. So maybe
1: maybe he maybe he struggled he struggled with that for a long time, and it's yeah. you know for touring musicians it's it's not it's not easy to be in a, in a dark place. So yeah, it's, oh, um, cool. it's an interesting, interesting point there. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, well, we, we talked about a lot about him and obviously he has this beautiful, strong voice. Yeah. And technically perfect. In my opinion, you know, uh, yeah, my really, wife, really good.
0: I know, you know, but my wife's a vocal coach and Chris Cornell is her favorite singer. Um, technically he's stunning. Um, Oh, I keep forgetting, but we do the um, the playlist, don't we? So we can put a few of them in. Um I'll find yes. some now with a few of Chris's ones, but um, yeah, his voice is just perfect, isn't it? There's just so little that he, yeah. he couldn't achieve.
1: Yeah, and I think the production of the album is is amazing. He captured the the essence of his vocals. I believe they recorded quite a lot of stuff at the same time, jamming as a band, like I'm not quite sure, but I've heard that well. they played there a bit
0: interestingly i just want to mention this because the album was recorded between may 2001 and june 2002 mm. that's a year and i feel and it was recorded over, between five different studios in california and washington so it gives wow. me the impression that they recorded for maybe a week here and then five months later a week there then a month after that another week or something like that because I feel like you can hear that in the songs, in the across the album. Yeah. I feel like there are groups of songs that were probably written together and then yeah. other groups of songs that might have been, oh, Chris Cornell bought this song or Tom Morello bought this song. And then there's also a bunch of songs which you think all of the band might have been together when writing. Did you see that? Yeah. Did, did you understand? Yeah, that? I don't, it, there's quite a few style differences on the album
1: yeah there is there is uh, uh, but the, the thing is it, they still as a band, the instrumental part of it is still, in my opinion sounds a lot like uh ready against the machine oh, And good. those guys they they could groove together, right it's uh, they had they had their sound they found a formula for their sound and they've managed to stick to it and i don't I don't think it's boring or repetitive, but there is a formula there, yeah, you know, there is a way of playing. That they do all the time. They have the the, the that same vibe and groove. Um, mm. It's slightly funky and dark. You know, it's. I think they have the uh, um, the aggression of Rage Against the Machine plus the darkness of Soundgarden. I think that's yeah. very evident in the album.
0: But there's there's quite a lot of heavy stuff on there as well. There's two songs. I'm trying to think remember which ones they are. Um but Chris Cornell actually does a heavy metal scream at the end of them. <laughs> like oh the, yeah, the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think there's a song um Shadow on on the Sun. At the very end, that's is the screaming, yeah. and that's a. I'm gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about that song. So let's talk about songs, right? Yeah. The songs in the album. We, we, we talked about a lot about the band. Let's talk about the album. So uh, the Shadow on the Sun. I'm not gonna mention the songs in any particular order, right? Let's do it. So let's that just that talk song... about
0: them and move from one to the other. Yeah, we'll just do them yeah, one
1: yeah, one. yeah. So that one, uh, it, it is for me a heavy ballad with really dark lyrics. So. Uh, uh, I, there's one specific part that I took note of it, which is again uh how disturbing this is to live without a soul and nothing to be learned. And he he literally talks about people going insane. He uses that to go insane, you know, people going insane kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's he's talking about
0: that, like going insane. But it, it's it's a, it's a kind of a ballad, you know, you know, it's, it's not. I love that. I thought that was a lovely one. Um... Uh, I thought the song was so beautifully built up because it it takes you on a journey. Because it starts off soft for the first minute, then you get a chorus, which I know is kind of 80% heavy. Then you've got the second verse, which is the same as the first verse, but it's a bit heavier. Then you've got a bridge, and then the final chorus is just so big and beefy and heavy. I love the journey it built you up on. But you're right, it's just a heavy ballad. It is. And uh, they they do, again, talking about
1: formulas, they do that a lot in this album, which is to start. Uh, light with some sort of guitar effect or something that sounds like keyboards it's just effects and very subtle and out of out of the blue it just explodes into yeah. a riff. So you'd never know what's gonna come up. You know so you know kind of know that something heavy is going to come up but <laughs> yeah. when and how and how yeah. fast it's gonna be. So well, some download. common elements of the yeah some common elements of the album for me are uh, like introductions that are building the anticipation like what's going to happen yeah like you my know, favorite uh, and it doesn't go straight yeah and there is uh uh the tempos of the songs are never fast
0: there's no fast songs in the album think yeah. about it right and you know what this is a note i've also got about soundgarden very few there fast tempoed songs There. i mean i suppose it's different when you you know, I'm trying to think about Rage Against the Machine now. And there, I wouldn't say there's any sort of super fast songs. I think there's songs that have a higher tempo than Soundgarden. But with Soundgarden, it naturally fits the genre, doesn't it? Grunge. And the, just the word grunge, you think slow, heavy, you know, lazy, laboured. And so I think it fits with Soundgarden. But I agree here, there's a lot of upbeat, energetic songs that aren't necessarily fast. No, they're not, they're not fast. Not really fast. The tempos are not fast. And the
1: grooves are simple, you yeah. know, they 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 actually because I, I think the, the main idea of a good groove is y- you have a, a a rhythmic idea that repeats itself. It repeats mm. and repeats and repeats. So that so you've got to stick to some sort of uh a beat to actually call it a groove. It can't be yeah. changing every single time. And and, and 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 the grooves are quite solid in that sense. And uh, the drummer Brad Wilk, he actually recorded with Black Sabbath their, their last studio album. Oh. Uh Yeah, recommended by the producer, which uh, who is the same guy, isn't he? I think it's him. Yeah, and um, he he he's got that Sabbath vibe, you know. Yeah. That's that which is like slow down, you know, be playing heavy and play slow, you know, and and it's 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 that kind of vibe and i think that that says a lot about the the album i do believe though the bass player uh um um is, it, is playing yeah. a different style compared i think he's the guy who changed his approach the most from the original band to this on band. this album yeah because he plays it is less basic yeah, isn't he? i'd agree, compared yeah, to I'd agree against, with that um yeah you Tim
0: mentioned comford <laughs> yeah. yeah fantastic player um you mentioned something about the build-up of the songs, and I just wanted to draw a note to the first song. Uh, I, I don't know yeah. how you say it. Is it Cochise? Cochise? Cochise, I guess. Cochise? Okay, uh, let's go for that. Cheese? Co- yeah, Co- je- <laughs> uh, you, you Brazilians, you Brazilians. I know how much you love your cheese. That's why I went with Cochise. <laughs> um, that's a 48-second that. build-up. It builds up for 48 seconds. And I don't mean a build up like, uh, which song was it? Shadow on the Sun, which is like a 10 second intro. Then it's his vocals, but lightly. I don't mean that build up where they're just adding layer by layer from a verse to a chorus. I mean, this is just 48 seconds of the band. Just building up. Is it it ever going to
1: get there?
0: When it hits, it is stunning um it's just yeah fantastic song and i think uh, the what a way to start an album <laughs> i just let it yeah the, yes exactly and
1: it it does uh, i think ideally the first song would set the tone for whatever album you did, uh, yeah. uh, uh album concept that you have and and they actually did that really well on this one yeah, uh so exactly. there's a i actually um there, there's something uh, about the um the song about the lyrics as well that i i, I really like and it, it does uh, help to set the tone as well, and as a part, I actually, I, I, I'll make, I'll make this clear. I've asked Lars to um, read I'll, yeah, his, I'll get them his lyrics out loud, so he's going to do it. Do you know because when? Because I you, think you have a good voice, you know, for you. radio. When, uh, when you sent me accent. that
0: message, when you told me you wanted me to read these, do you know? What I thought, I thought, you remember in Arrested Development when Lucille yeah. too asks Job to read the menu because he's got <laughs> that voice. It's like. Tell me, this, t- t- tell me the sides, Job. And he's like, how about club sauce with a side of mayonnaise? <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So
1: you can do jokes voice <laughs> if you want. Or you can do your own voice. I think it's a, bit, it's a bit dark, isn't it, as well? Yeah. So, but, Right, here
0: yeah. we go. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a martyr. I'm not a prophet. And I won't preach to you. But here's a caution. You better understand that I won't hold your hand but if it helps you mend, then I won't stop it. Go on and save yourself and take it out on me.
1: Right. I'm not a martyr. I'm not a prophet. Wouldn't that be, I'm not talking about the same subjects that these guys were talking before? Um, I'm not, I don't want to go. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the same uh, political stuff. It, it feels to me just like, oh, right? See. I'm not okay, a martyr. Wait. So when you talk about being a prophet, being a martyr, it means you are doing something for, let's put it for the collective or for society. You talk about people, you're not talking about a person. You're talking about people. So for me, what he was saying there, again, just a theory. um, What he was saying there's like, I'm not talking about collective ideas here. I'm talking about personal stuff. Mm. So why not? I mean, it's a different approach. And, uh, uh, um, you know, you better understand that I won't hold your hand. So I'm not connecting with you. I'm not really. It's, I'm not talking about your reality and, and society's problems. I'm, you know, I'm not holding your hand. I'm not, you know, I'm not there with you. It's I ask. It's are, you,
0: are you talking, when you think this, are you thinking Chris Cornell, when you say I'm not talking to you as Chris Cornell, do you mean him talking to the public or to the three members of rage against the machine
1: it could be everything i think i think he he was so disconnected from everything and everyone that he mm. was talking about his own personal views what i think is beautiful about that we've been we've been really philosophical today isn't it <laughs> uh what i think is beautiful about that is that um when an artist is not talking about society it's talking about him or herself they're still communicating with millions of people yeah. how many people share the same feelings and perceptions and and uh, uh you know so he, he could be actually communicating with millions of people by just talking about himself and his own personal feelings not yeah. not like uh society's issues
0: didn't we we spoke about that when all the way back all the way back in episode five when we were still uh wow. doing podcasts next to each other <laughs> um, <laughs> We when we in the dark in side the of the day. moon, yeah, the dark side of the moon. We spoke about Roger Waters, his lyrics finally addressing people. You said that the yeah. most used word on the album on Dark Side of the on the Dark Side of the Moon is the word you,
1: you, you. And it feels to me that uh, Chris Cornell is talking about himself. It's more me than yeah. you, yeah. but isn't yeah. it the same yeah. thing? because yeah. uh, in the same way just that that's a comparison Would I, I i would never consider to make waters and cornell because it's so so different but
0: you Ultimately, can you can see yeah they're, they're so different as in they go so far away from each other but then they come back
1: <laughs> they come back <laughs> yeah. exactly like it, it feels like that to me because it's, it's uh waters was talking about the human feelings like the very personal things but he was pointing at people like i'm mm. talking about you but not not you society you the person you know yeah. and also and chris connor was like i'm talking about me this person yeah. here but you can obviously feel some of the mm-hmm. feelings i feel i think that's 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 uh, it's it's funny because uh we, we're talking for so long here about about lyrics and feelings and and that that aspect of the music uh um but the instrumentation in the album is just brilliant. Yeah. I, I believe it's really, really good. There's so many good unisons between uh, bass and guitar, like but playing the same riff in a very solid uh, uh, way. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I like that. But anyway, um, th- this I, I think uh, apart from the disturbing <laughs> lyrics. Uh, uh, The biggest contrast to that is the the, the groovy, funky vibes that they come up with from time to
0: time in the songs. But you said already they're experts at it. They've done it for so long that they know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. One one, one of the songs I highlight is slightly funky, and uh, you can clearly see that the bass and the guitar playing unison, playing the same idea, reinforcing the idea. Set It Off is a great song with guitar effects on the intro and yeah. guitar effects are, are, are Tom Morello's main signature isn't it it's like yeah. what kind of weird noises coming out of that guitar that's like i've insane.
0: Got, there's actually a few of them i've i've noted um have the, sort of the signature tom morello sound um yeah. like a stone um yeah. had the very had the guitar effects um which other one did i have uh bring 'em back alive the guitar solo was just so tom morello like
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, and I, I think I think there's a Sabbath vibe there uh, uh, for some reason. Uh, yeah, the solo is weird. Mm. I can't describe it in any other way. It's just like, what the hell is going on? You know, yes. I like that because it's it's not like it's the opposite of Slash, who I love. Yeah. You know, is yeah. Slash is about the melody, and he doesn't do that uh, most of the time. Morello's is like, okay, I'm going to play some weird noises here. <laughs> that somehow, and it's strangely match the feeling of the song and it makes it work and it's uh, I, i've seen a video of him like describing how he found his guitar sound he was trying to find the perfect eq combinations like uh, you know bass medium trebles and and effects and he, he 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 got tired of trying to find and didn't find anything he said you know what i'm gonna stop at the configuration i have now the levels the eq this is it, and I'm going to try to make it sound good as it is. And it was totally random. Wow. Huh. So I will play. So he plays the guitar in a way that suits the sound that is coming out of his pedals and amplifiers and guitars. So mm. it's like, I got this sound. I turned the guitar into this kind of instrument with these sounds with these kind of setup, and I have to make it sound melodic with what I have in my hand now.
0: Yeah. I was. Let me talk for a second. I want to talk. This is something I suppose I wanted to say at the end of the show, but I think it makes sense now. You yeah. can discuss it. I am a big fan of both Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. So, yeah. the the what I've what I've discerned, having listened to and made notes on this album, is that my favorite songs on the album. Here, here I'll, I'll just list them quickly. So, my favorite ones. Cochise, like, I think that's a no-brainer because I knew that before I'd heard the rest of the album. It's just that classic hit from that band. Um, But What You Are, Like a Stone, Shadow of the Sun, I Am the Highway, Getaway Car, Mm. and The Last Remaining Light. Those six are my favourite ones. And what I noticed about those is that those are the ones that sound as far away from Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. And the reason why is because, as I said, I'm a huge Rage Against the Machine fan and an even bigger Soundgarden fan. This is going to sound like a criticism, and I suppose it is, but it's not necessarily, it's not an awful criticism. When listening to things like Gasoline, Set It Off, Exploder, Hypnotise, I was thinking, yeah, it's good, but... I'd rather just go and listen to Rage, or I'd rather just go and listen to Soundgarden, whereas... Yeah, yeah, Hypnotise
1: has got like an extra funky vibe. It reminds me a bit of Red Hot Chili Peppers, but again, you can find those elements in Rage
0: Against the Machine. It's not new, right? Yeah, so I just, I found it interesting that that my favourite songs are the ones that actually deviated from the standard Rage Against the Machine sound or the standard Soundgarden sound, because loads of these songs have taken the best elements of Soundgarden from Chris Cornell's voice and maybe some riffs he wrote. I don't know how much he bought this album and the best elements of Rage Against the Machine, and they've kind of mixed them together. But I'll be honest, when listening to, uh, which one was it? I think Gasoline and Set It Off, somewhere inside my brain just wanted to hear some Zach de la Rocca and (laughs) the same way with the Soundgarden stuff. Again, I was saving this for the end, but I can tell you my, I'll tell you my opinion on the album. Less is more. And I feel that simple riffs work much better with Chris's voice because his voice is so, so, so free and so, powerful it is the scent it is the center stage it is the the main thing of the song whereas zach de la roca there's no melody it's it's another rhythm to the music it's not yep. the center it's not the center of attention like chris's voices so the things i worked out where is it let me just find it quickly bring them back alive now mm-hmm. like i just said exploder and hypnotize and set it off very Rage Against the Machine instrumentation with Soundgarden vocals. Bring them back alive is exactly the same as them, but there is a simplicity in the riff. The riff the is not over complicated. And so I think because the riff of Bring them back alive is so simple, it gives Chris's voice the space it needs to flourish and be the center of attention. Whereas for me, a song like Hypnotize, again, fantastic songs, no, no criticisms of the songs, but it was just a bit too much going on, a bit too much in the guitar and bass, and Chris's voice is almost trying to compete with it for me. So I just thought it was really interesting that when you sort of split them apart, the songs that were least like Soundgarden slash Rage Against the Machine were my favourites, because I thought, this is different. This is unique.
1: It is, it is isn't it? I think uh, the, the, the idea of a supergroup is can musicians keep challenging themselves and yeah. actually uh uh recreate themselves and ch- and not be a shadow of their previous bands and orders life com- commercially it was huge like mm. You know, there's some supergroups that don't actually achieve that. They yeah. are literally just the shadow of the previous bands, and they actually manage okay. to achieve that. Some some people might not like the more commercial side of it, but I think it's it's, it's brilliant. Uh, just mentioning from uh, Bring Them Back Alive, because you've mentioned uh, one of my favourite songs in the album. Uh, you have, you know, the weird solo, the Sabbath vibe. We have that kind of uh, dark, heavy rock. But this, again, in terms of lyrics, I want to highlight this point. They buried me where no one can see. It's one of the most clear references to death, and he and used the word the word me.
0: Mm. So that's like they
1: buried me
0: yeah. where
1: no one can see. So it's again very dark and uh, 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 and disturbing. I'll, I'll put it like that. Uh, but getaway car, okay, that's the other one he mentioned. I really like. Beautiful that song. just makes me feel like I want to hit the road. Yeah, I know. Going nowhere. It's, it's I want to really... go nowhere.
0: It's really funny. You mentioned it, but you actually didn't mention the two songs I have it loaded: track eight, "I Am the Highway," and track thirteen, "Getaway Car." Within fifteen to twenty seconds, I'm thinking Chili Peppers.
1: Yeah, get to, yeah, "Getaway Car" is is as I say, it makes me like want to hit the road. And there's a, there's a, a a a bit of a swing feel, and you know? mm. it's swung, it's not straight. So for people yeah. who know about music theory, it's it's it's. It, it it it's more like a shuffle than a straight groove. It's triplets based. Yeah. It's swung. It's like, uh, uh, it comes from jazz and blues, that kind of vibe, you know. It, it, and Red Hot to the Peppers, they they know how to do that as well. So yeah, it, it does have that vibe. And it's a bit, it's, it's, for me, the most unique song in the album, Getaway Car, because it's, it's... I agree with you. I think, the,
0: yeah, I think that song and the last song, very unique, very different, very... Not what we've heard before from their previous bands and from this band. Maybe a bit more positive, isn't it? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I love that you've gone into the lyrics because obviously I've I've looked at this musically and uh, we did this with the Beatles. Do you remember, we did it with Rubber Soul. You spoke. Yeah, you went nice, you like went full on
1: like uh, yeah lyrics. It was. And yeah, was, uh... it's
0: really interesting because you know, <laughs> it's something you have to consider because you know whilst I am me and my wife with songwriting, or you know that we're songwriting at the moment, and Dash says to me. Um, so we, we write a riff and we're sort of, we've we got the riff and the riffs are in order and we're writing the lyrics and she says, okay, well, what the, what's the song about? And I said, what do you mean? I, I don't know. And she says, well, come on, it has to be about something. And I said, well, no, music first, lyrics later. And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, for me, the riff comes. And I said that this song may as well be about Lord of the Rings. Let's just make it a Lord of the Rings song for now and we can change the lyrics if we need. Um, so for me, I'm very much a music first, lyrics later, but... I, that doesn't mean like this. I, yeah, see, I, I, it's so important. I,
1: I used to and I still write lyrics and I think it's, it's um, it's very connected to everything else in the song. Like if you, if you want to play heavy, it has to, to be related to heavy lyrics. Yeah. Unless you intentionally want to make it sound uh, unpredictable, but just, just, yeah. instant that you've mentioned, uh, uh, um, you know, I am the highway as well, which is in terms of lyrics, one of my favorites, again, talking about a a personal point of view, it says, I am, you know, that's that all the time. I am not your rolling wheels. I am the highway. I think that's a really, really strong chorus. Like, and it feels to me like, I don't want to be told what to do. It's, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the wheels. I'm the highway. Think about that. So like, I, I am, the path I am the way I'm doing things my own way so it's 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 very strong and I think sounds perfect in his voice and uh, and the band does the job that is expected from a band which is to make the melody sound stronger mm. and more powerful and god you know uh everyone a lot has been said about like a stone beautiful song major hit like that I'm checking oh, Spotify like, oh, like a stone yeah 425 million plays on spotify that's i insane. found it
0: i found it really unique um i thought the guitar effects and tone came straight from rage against the machine but the rhythm section is what's different because if i remember rightly tim Commerford on bass it's just eighth notes isn't it and brad wilk yeah. is just playing a simple groove it's s- the same it groove those things. it works so well it works so well because this is where you've taken some aspects of Rage Against the Machine, the guitar tone, some aspects of Soundgarden, the voice, and you've written something different underneath them. And again, I don't want to go on about what I said earlier, but the, when you took too much from Rage Against the Machine and too much from Soundgarden, it left me just wanting to go and listen to Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden. Whereas songs like Like a Stone and What You Are, those felt unique and special to me. And this that was the point where I went, Yes, apart from Kuchis, obviously. Yeah. But like I said, I knew that before. But those yeah. two, the tracks four and five, I thought they were so unique and so different and a real fresh sound from musicians who have already established their musical personality.
1: What do you think is is the... Um, what's your favourite thing about this album? Not favourite song, favourite yeah. thing, favourite element or aspect of
0: the album? Um, I mean I think it's pretty obvious to just say the marriage of two completely different bands, um, Rage Against the Machines music and Soundgarden's singer. So what I would say is you've caught me off guard there. Um <laughs> Cause, cause, That's the idea. There, were so familiar, there was so many familiar. There's so much familiarity to it. You know, I don't need to say it again. Rage and Soundgarden. There's so much there. Different elements, and it's all been molded together. Lovely. But songs like "The Last Remaining Light," "Getaway Car," "I Am the Highway," "Shadow of the Sun," "What You Are," "Like a Stone." The those were fresh and unique, and I love the middle ground that has been found between the projects, becoming Audio Slave.
1: Interesting. Because it's similar to what I think about the album is...
0: Maybe you can say it better than well, I just did. <laughs> just no, really I don't know. I don't, it's, it's the,
1: fact, the fact that you have, like, okay, it, it's. I think it's like an hour and five minutes of music. It's 14 yep. songs. Yep. It's a long album, right? It's a long album, even for, you know... Uh, old standards really so it, for early 2000s and an a an long album yeah uh that's a statement and i think um what makes it special is they 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 delivered what people would expect from those previous bands plus a bit more so they that's, they that's they, perfect man that's a perfect way to say it yeah they didn't disappoint. I mean, they they wouldn't disappoint me if I was a big fan at the time of of uh, Soundgarden or, or Rage Against. And they, they just came with their own own version of what they wanted to do. But the the, the, the main point for me is they delivered the old stuff that people knew them, them for. Yeah. But they dared to create something new out of it. So there's there's enough songs in the album to go nuts and try something that you haven't tried before without being criticized, or even if you are criticized, what's the, what's, yeah. what's the problem? Some songs for me, they were designed to be hits. Like I am the highway, like a stone. I think they were designed in a more commercial way. You know, it's not too aggressive, too heavy. You, you have some light guitar sounds in it to balance it out. And some songs were, were not designed to be hits. They were just like what they really wanted to do and what they really wanted to say.
0: I think I completely agree with you, especially with what you said before. And I think if I think we can, I'm not going to read all the song titles. I'll just say the track numbers. I think you can, you can split them into three categories. The, the old stuff that the fans for both of those bands would have wanted to hear the new daring stuff that was fresh and unique and the perfect balance of both the perfect balance of both tracks one and two the old stuff that fans loved and would wanted tracks three, six, nine, ten, 10, and maybe 11. And the new ones that dared to be different. That was something unique tracks, 14, 13, 12, eight, seven, five, and four, in my opinion. Um, I just, I thought I'd say the track numbers instead of. Well, all the uh, word. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, yeah. I, I I have to kind of run through it to yes. understand
0: probably what you said, but it does, it does make a lot of sense. What I did just say there in terms of the splitting it between the three yeah. groups, notice that the, the, the group that had the most songs, in my opinion, was the new unique ones. So yeah. I think this is why it's a special album because they've done, let's say, let's say half of the album was split between keeping the fans happy and a good mixture of both. Yet the other half is the daring, the trying to be different, the unique sound. And I think that's why this album is a success.
1: In other words, the rock and rollness of the album.
0: The rock and rollness. This freedom. Album. Musical freedom.
1: Musical freedom. It's to say, we, we're free, we're going to do yeah. whatever. Right? I wanted to ask you just, something. Yeah, that's uh, okay. You, you, some,
0: you wanted to say no, something
1: different. No, no, I, I want to wrap it up with, with um, the concept of the, the cover because i'm a big fan of oh, yeah. uh you know album covers and my favorite artist of all, of all time uh of the guys who who do album covers is storm Thorgerson. I, I i hope i pronounced it right i struggle with with names uh and pronunciations for obvious reasons so storm Thorgerson, he worked with pink floyd Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, yes, Genesis, Peter Gabriel, you name it, like everyone. So he's the wow. man behind uh, covers. If I'm not wrong, Wish We are Here it was him, and he has he has a point about his covers, which is they're all real. They're all they're all shot in that place, like it is minimum effects and post production. So wow. if there's a fire. He's gonna set fire to something this is gonna be real fire in the album cover. So mm-hmm. the, he wanted a volcano because he said uh, uh Cornell's voice reminded him of a volcano and so, stuff so like that. Wow. So it's so a, to...
0: a lovely comparison.
1: What an artist that man. I tell you that, because he could he could you know capture the idea. So he wanted to go to this specific volcano in Canary Canary Islands, uh, but he wanted to add that flame, you know. Yeah. on the set on, on but that flame is is made of bronze is a big sculpture and it's real it was built that, so that size you see that, a man that yeah. that man in front of that sculpture is storm himself is the artist oh that's why. and he said ask. he's he is there to show the the perspective so how big is that sculpture compared to a man so that was oh, wow. the the main the main idea right there. He wanted to show a small man a big sculpture. The only kind of uh, uh, special effects trick they did was the the sculpture wasn't taken all the way to the volcano. So the place is the volcano, but the sculpture was in a coal mine somewhere in England. Uh, I don't know the location. I don't have it here. Right. Uh, but that was you know. So they t- they. Some pictures of the volcano, and they took pictures of that sculpture, and they, you know, piece them together. Wow. But here's here's the concept. Uh, what he want again? I want to quote him in you know with the right words. I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, he said the giant piece in the volcano is an eternal flame, symbolizing how two deceased bands, Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine, lived on in the reincarnation called Odio Slave.
0: But that's when it means something. That's when art means something. You know, sometimes I see uh, album covers which look good, but then you just think, well, what's the meaning behind this? But that, the quote to go along with that album cover, that means so much, doesn't it, to what this project is about? They got a genius to design the cover that
1: actually tells the story of the band and the album with one simple picture. They got a fantastic producer who knows how to make anything sound good, commercial, and heavy. And they got musicians from a band that didn't... They didn't want the band to to end. The singer left the band. They want to continue. They found someone with his own personality to the point that the band needed to change the name. So Mm. what an amazing album for all those
0: reasons, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you something. So Felipe is the one who chose this album for us to do today. And when you sent this man, I'll be honest. I I, I found it so odd that you chose this for, for several reasons. Because one, the 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 latest album we've done up until this point was 1979. I think Van Halen, Van Halen. Yeah. Number two is that this album is not. When you think when you think of all the albums we've done, this is not one that is i'd say is counted as a rock and roll great you know we've done rubber soul we've done led Zeppelin, 2 we've done machine head this is not in that category yet so i'm really interested to hear why you chose this album
1: for a simple reason right uh maybe maybe the gods of rock and roll just communicate yeah,
0: well that's it yeah let's blame it on the gods <laughs> no,
1: no. Uh, i had a um a playlist on spotify that i i, I I love to listen when I'm on the road with people, friends, whatever. So like, like, you know, just play those songs. And I call it almost heavy <laughs> songs that are not too heavy. So it doesn't scare anyone. And, and, and it, you know, pleases most people yeah. and it's still rock and roll. And I had, I am the highway on that list. And every time I listen to that song, I, oh, I, I want to go back and listen to it again. There's yeah. something about it that made me feel like I needed to listen to the whole album, start to finish and understand the lyrics. So it all starts with one song, isn't it? That's how you fall in love with a band or an album. You mm-hmm. listen to that one song and think, wow, this is something else. Where did it come from? I want to hear more of it. So that song uh, led me into the album and actually made me listen to a sound Garden.
0: Oh, uh, wow. I, you know,
1: I, I didn't know enough about them. So, oh, uh, wow. yeah, so that's it.
0: It's funny because, I mean, I've listened to the album twice now and my first listen through was quite cynical. Like I said, you know, I'd heard Cochise and I'd heard Show Me How to Live and then I said everything that I said earlier to myself. I said, okay, Gasoline, it's cool, but it's just Rage meets Soundgarden. Then What You Are in Like A Stone, oh, wow, this is different, very unique. And then set it off uh, and then tracks 9, 10 and 11. Again, I thought, okay, this is very similar to Rage. It's very similar to Soundgarden. But then when the album ended with Getaway Car and uh, Last Remaining Light, it really, it was just the fact that those two songs ended the album, it it really transferred my thoughts from it being, okay, these are just the remnants of Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine to no, no, this is a new band and and they deserve credit. This isn't just rages instrumentalists and sound garden singer they've created something here and so then i went back and listened to it again from start to finish again and then it was only on the second listen that it became apparent to me that this really is a journey and what you said earlier was perfect in terms of the three categories the new unique daring stuff the classics that the fans are going to love and the beautiful hybrid of both um so yeah it's it's a wonderful album it really is very very good
1: it, it really like uh, every time we, we record something i i do my best to listen to the album on the day of the recording to refresh my mind and i was you know on my way to a studio to teach and then coming back uh home had a uh, um an interview on um for youtube channel uh, and and loads of stuff going on so i had to listen to the album like in three parts during the day and it, it it became part of my journey you know it became part of my day the feelings in the album you know the the, the vibe from the the album uh made uh, uh uh the mood for 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 my day and it's mm. it's an interesting thing is i think that's what that's that's why we listen to music we want we want life to be better or different after you listen to an album
0: isn't it i think i think that's when you can really tell that an album has imprinted itself on you i mean the same way you just said that there are times where i drive to a gig um and i know that the journey there is let's say half an hour and the journey back is also half an hour so i'll pick an album that's an hour long so that i know uh, do you know what i'll do for example tracks one to six that might only take 25 minutes. So I won't listen to any music for the next five minutes. If if the next track is eight minutes long and there's only four minutes between the last track finishing and me reaching my destination, I'll listen to nothing. So that on the way home, I start with the next track and it finishes when I get home. And that's the beauty of having an album that means so much to you. And you know, it's length, you know how it plays out and what emotions you feel when you listen to it.
1: Yeah. I, and that's it. I mean, and it's all about you know, uh, creating emotions and feeling stuff when it, when it, when it listening to, to to music. And I, I, and the fact that music makes us want to talk about music, yeah, and have a podcast, and people want to <laughs> listen to people talking about music because yeah. you know, music has such a special place in in in, in people's lives. And I think I, I just hope that uh, um, we we give the the recognition that those guys deserve every single Mm. artist producing music anywhere in the world and uh it's you know what life would be extremely boring without
0: without music more than anything else anyway fantastic i mean that sounds like a good place to wrap up the talk about the album um i've actually got a little quiz for you Question one. Which country did Audio Slave become the first band to have played an open air concert in? Wow. And I'd say it's kind of important, this answer. What? Audio Slave. So Audio Slave became the first band to play an open air concert in which country? Oh. Yes, Cuba. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Brilliant.
1: Cool. Well done. I might have read about it.
0: <laughs> Isn't
1: that interesting? <laughs> Obviously, right, Rage Against
0: the Machine being so political, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly well, it has, to, uh, yeah, it has a lot to do with it. Um,
0: think, um, sorry, go on. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Next one. Uh, question two. I think you know this one. Who suggested Chris Cornell to Rage Against the Machine after Zach De La Roca left?
1: rick rubin we talked That's about right. it at the
0: beginning yeah two out of two so far um which famous so question three which famous american tv host hosted audio slave's first ever live show
1: wait a minute that was on the ed sullivan theater it was, it was yes was, was it it was it dave letterman yes <laughs>
0: We can well, can right. only be right. Yeah, amazing. Yes, yeah, so three out of three, right? Question four. How much did Chris Cornell's Audio Slave pay to the unsigned Audio Slave from Liverpool, England? Ten oh, thousand dollars. Another
1: band with the same name.
0: Right. So there's two bands, and for for Chris Cornell's Audio Slave to take it further, they had to pay off this unsigned band from Liverpool. But how much did they pay off? $10,000, $30,000, or
1: $50,000? Uh oh, man, I think it was about
0: $10,000. Oh, lucky thirty. Uh 30000 uh, That's so good, man. Three that out that four. That sounds a bit more... Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, 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 if they could, if they could predict the massive success of the band, they could have charged like half a million. Couldn't <laughs> yeah, they? exactly. Oh but god, question. that's sad. It's sad to hear that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Final question. Question five: How many albums have Audio Slave sold? Six million, eight million, or ten million? Six million. Eight. Eight. That's Eight good. Yeah So that's good man Three out of five And I'll tell you what The last two questions You yeah. had three options so That's a little unfair But you you got those first three And I was really impressed with that That's incredible But um, anyway That's a fantastic <laughs> place to leave it I think I've been I, doing my research man I've been yeah. doing my research <laughs> I've got one more question for you Before we end Yeah What is rock and roll about this album? What makes it so important? Oh um wow. That's it's it's just, it's just so interesting. Like I said f- 5 minutes ago that all the albums we've done so far have been the classic albums from the 60s and 70s and we've gone all the way to 2002 which is absolutely fair there are plenty of albums in the 2010s 2000s to do but why this one what does it mean to you why is it rock and roll? Do you know what we
1: talked a lot more about chris cornell than everyone else in the band but i'll keep talking about him because the most rock and roll thing for me is the fact that one man committed to his art and his craft can completely redesign a band and turn it into something else and that's freedom that's creativity yeah. that's rock and rollness
0: when you said it earlier, when we when you mentioned the thing about Chris Cornell and not wanting to do politics, I I initially thought, how the hell did he talk Tom Morello out of doing political music? Do <laughs> like, you know? What? Maybe that's the kind of guy Chris Cornell is. Maybe he's the kind of guy which you say will do what you want because you're a fucking legend. <laughs> exactly, and
1: maybe Tom Morello was like, "All oh, right, you you're literally taking me out of my comfort zone. Good you're literally of taking me out." of what made me successful, uh, you know, artistically, and now I need to make my guitar sound serve another kind of lyrical content,
0: you know? Good point, yeah. And they've made it, didn't they? Fantastic. Well, great answer. I mean, awesome. What what a place to leave. I mean, what an album. Fantastic. Uh, I think we've said everything you said, right? It's just a brilliant piece of music.
1: Yes. Go listen to it, guys. Exactly. To so, you
0: guys, there will be a playlist at the bottom with all the songs in from the album. I mean, we haven't actually mentioned any other songs, but what we'll do is, me and Felipe will get together. We'll, we'll put a few of our favorite Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine songs in there for you as well. Anyway, just so if you haven't listened to those bands, you can hear so all three of them together what one led to the other, what one gave to Audio Slave, all that stuff. But um, thank you once again for joining us. It's been another great episode. You know, really enjoyed this one. Uh, thank you, Felipe, for choosing the album. Um, and in the words of Felipe, you can find us on the internet. Um, so, you know, do all the normal stuff. Like and subscribe. Yeah, we're not doing any of this at this anymore. Just go and find us. Just Google No,
1: it. no, because if you're listening to this in 3052, uh, you know, way in the future, uh, you might have other apps where websites or you know alien devices but if the internet's still there which i hope it will be so we you can find us on the internet exactly right. and that's it keep on rocking everyone and as usual long live rock and roll